We all know healthcare is expensive and it does not seem to want to get any less expensive, but consumers demand increased quality at a reasonable price. But is there a way to achieve both? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Dr. Mark Chasson, the president of the Joint Commission. In his role, Dr. Mark Chasson oversees the activities of the nation's predominant standard-setting body, the Joint Commission, and he joins us today from Oak Brook, Illinois, where the Joint Commission accredits more than 15,000 hospitals and healthcare organizations. Organizations. And prior to joining the Joint Commission in recent months, Dr. Chasson was the Edmund A. Guggenheim Professor of Health Policy and the founding chairman of the Department of Health Policy at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York, and executive vice president for excellence in patient care at the Mount Sinai Medical Center, also in New York. He is a board-certified internist and practiced emergency medicine for 12 years, and even before joining the Joint Commission, was nationally recognized in his own right as an expert on healthcare quality. Dr. Chasson, welcome to ReachMD. Thanks, Bruce. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, so you have a school of thought on all of this. I mean, we know what the U.S. consumer is all about, and healthcare is certainly the third rail of people's opinions on this, and they want quality health care, but they want a low affordable price, and that is indeed a challenge, isn't it? It's a big challenge, especially in the United States, which already spends more on health care by a wide margin than the country that is in uh, the number two spot, whichever country that is, every year. It is an ongoing challenge, especially because we face the problem of not having adequate health insurance for millions of Americans, probably 50 or 60 if you count under insurance in that count as well. But we must solve this problem in order to get to more universal health insurance. Well, in the whole idea of on the finding solutions aspects, what does the Joint Commission tell these hospitals, for example, when they are constantly complaining, and probably rightly so, about being squeezed on the Medicaid reimbursement front. They're faced with the rising number of uninsured. Does the Joint Commission give a specific outline on areas to tell hospitals, now, you know, be careful here, because even though you might be squeezed on this sort of technology or whatever, I mean, it's a difficult thing to balance. It is a difficult thing to balance for individual institutions that are in the delivery system struggling with these problems on a daily basis, and they face different environments because of the payer mix that are prevalent in their communities, and because of the payment system's vagaries, the system doesn't really treat each patient the same way. So what might be good for society in terms of reductions of unnecessary healthcare services are not particularly good for hospitals or practitioners because their income can go down as a result. And that's why I think that ultimately this has to be solved nationally. So there really are a couple of ways in which we can improve quality and reduce cost at the same time. One of the most important of those is by eliminating preventable complications. If we could eliminate preventable complications, we would obviously improve quality because patients wouldn't suffer those preventable complications, and we would conserve resources because we wouldn't have to expend all of the time, trouble, and money that it takes to treat complications. 
So that's one of the important goals of the Joint Commission in its patient safety programs, uh, to try to develop new interventions, new ways of uh, helping hospitals and other healthcare organizations manage those difficult situations with prevention in mind so that we can realize in that example safety, quality improvements, and cost reductions simultaneously. Sometimes those cost reductions don't stay with the institution that made those improvements, however, that sometimes they go to the payers and the insurance companies because of the way the payment system works. But nevertheless, that is an important area in which quality and cost incentives go in the same direction. To that end, are there not increasingly things available to doctors and hospitals from the payers, like the insurance companies and and even Medicare, where they're starting to give reimbursement based on improved quality? And wouldn't it be a good idea for doctors and hospitals to go to their payers, their health plans, if you will, and say, listen, you know, we can, their potential for bonuses or enhanced reimbursement, I believe this is an evolving trend, where if they do certain things, they might be able to help their bottom line. Well, yes, you're absolutely right. Different kinds of payment schemes related to quality measures are all the rage, and they're being tried in a variety of different settings by a variety of different payers. I would urge a little bit of caution in this arena because this is one of those places where the devil really is in the details. And many of these schemes rely on data from billing systems to figure out whether a quality problem has gone up, down, or sideways. And while you can find some quality problems with data from billing systems, many, like the complications that we were talking about earlier, are very, very difficult to pinpoint accurately just with the information that are in billing systems. So we haven't got to the point yet where we've got a really foolproof, very valid way of linking payments to quality improvements. But that's certainly something that we're going to see a lot more of in the coming months and years. This whole idea of a lot of insurance companies and employers out there saying, hey, doctors, hey, hospitals, we will pay you a little extra, pay you some bonuses if you meet certain quality standards and reduce your complications. But as Dr. Chasson was saying, that these things are not necessarily based on science. That's right. And I think we will be watching the development of those schemes with interest. But as I said before the break, this is something that we haven't solved yet. And there isn't a single solution that we can roll out broadly with great confidence that it will, in fact, result in improved quality and reduced cost. I would add that there's a broader social issue that is rolled up in this question about improving quality and reducing cost at the same time that I think we need to join very explicitly and openly as we broaden the debate about health reform. And that's the broad problem of overuse of services. If we don't fully and thoroughly address this, both from the provider side as well as from the consumer side, we will not be able to solve the problem of covering all of the uninsured with health insurance that's affordable. We need to have an open discussion about this because that's the one quality problem that has really received very little attention in the patient safety movement, which is really focused on complication reduction, public reporting. There's been a lot of public reporting now, but the public reporting is principally about 
the failures to provide service when it would have produced a good outcome. And we've not had a strong discussion about everybody's responsibility in reducing overuse, which is very common. The summary of that literature, I think, is a fair summary would suggest that about 20% of what we do in healthcare could fairly be classified as overuse, not where there's disagreement, antibiotics for colds, MRIs for simple back pain, and lots of examples like that. We could save a lot of money, conserve a lot of resources if we got together both the consumer and provider side of this equation and agreed that there is overuse and we need to make some serious attempts to reduce it. And could you give us an idea of where the Joint Commission is on that? I mean, what can people do? What can a provider do right away on the whole issue of overuse? You just come through flu season and maybe somebody should just take a day off and sleep for five hours rather than (laughs) take a bunch of antibiotics and go see their doctor. And you just see the cost of the system just adding up. You do. And some of it is small cost, but some of it's big cost for each service. And I think that the Joint Commission's role here is uh, several fold. One of its roles is as a convener of all stakeholders. And in fact, we are having a conference on overuse, underuse, and misuse at the end of March that is the uh, result of a series of meetings that we've had with representatives from all the stakeholding groups about these quality problems. So we are attempting in this very political season to bring stakeholders together and have a full and open discussion about all the quality problems that we have so that we can start the ball rolling toward much more comprehensive solutions. Overuse is a particularly complicated problem that will only be solved if the providers and consumers get together, agree that it's a problem, that it's not about taking benefits away from people. It's about making sure that the services they get are effective and not harmful. Well, then you bring up a really good point. And to that end, on the whole idea of the healthcare debate this year and a bunch of folks running for president, are the candidates out there, are they addressing this? Are they addressing effectively the idea of quality or even overuse? Are they giving the voters some information and saying, hey, we need to step it up on education relative to the healthcare system as a solution? Are the candidates addressing some of these issues? There's been a lot of productive discussion about what needs to be done to come to grips with some of these problems, and I hope that there will be even more robust discussion. There are two points that I would point to in a lot of the discussion. It comes from a number of candidates that I think need to be perhaps clarified. A number of candidates, not just presidential candidates, but also elected officials of various sorts, have advocated the increased provision of preventive and chronic care services as a way to save money. That, in my view, is a pipe dream. What we know about the cost effectiveness and cost benefit analyses of providing effective care is that it does improve health. There's no question about that. Preventive care appropriately provided improves health, but it costs money if we're going to provide it to everyone who could benefit. So even in the long run, although people are healthier, it costs more money to provide those services than the savings that are realized down the road from people who don't get sick who otherwise would have. Yeah, and you know what a huge challenge it has been to get people to get basic outpatient care and to see their doctor. That's exactly right, and that's why we have such a big problem with underuse of effective services. 
So if we don't marry our effort to get everybody covered and to provide effective care for everyone with an equally comprehensive effort to reduce overuse, reduce the use of services when there is no benefit, we are not going to be able to cover everybody with an affordable overall health plan. Well, I would like to thank Dr. Mark Chasson, who has been our guest. We have been talking about the prospects for reducing health care costs and increasing quality at the same time. Dr. Chasson is with the Joint Commission. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For more information, and if you would like to make comments and questions on our show today with Dr. Chasson, please turn to our website at ReachMD.com, which now features our entire medical show library in on-demand podcasts. And I would like to thank you today for listening.